I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome to DTNS Experiment Week. All this week, DTNS is on summer vacation, but in its place is Experiment Week, where our producers and contributors are trying out new show ideas and releasing them right here on the DTNS feed. Enjoy. everyone and welcome to the first ever edition of Gaming Checkpoint here as part of DTNS Experiment Week. I'm Jen Cutter and you may have heard my voice before on various DTNS episodes and also I work on Daily Tech Headlines where you can get all of the top headlines and show notes at dailytechheadlines.com. I've been covering games and tech for almost 20 years now and I'm going to quickly summarize the current console scene. Whether you're a lapsed gamer looking to dive back into this generation or are getting into console gaming for the first time, this episode will cover what Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony have to offer. Let me be upfront in saying that this episode will not be covering PC gaming, will not talk about every game streaming option available right now, and also not have any real VR or phone game coverage. This episode is going to be highly focused on the main three consoles. Let's get started. First up, some unavoidable facts of life right now. Apologies in advance if this roundup actually inspires you to look into buying a console this year, as similar to various PC components at the moment, supplies are very limited. In my area, unless I want to severely overpay to some scalpers, I can't get my hands on much. Even older PlayStation 4s and PS4 Pros are kind of rare around here. But let's think optimistically for a sec. Say you're lucky enough to score the console of your dreams this winter. Do you have the necessary physical space for it? I know that sounds like a weird question, so here are some size specs. The PlayStation 5, which sadly resembles a very ugly router, stands tall at over 15 inches, is slightly over 10 inches long, with a depth of 4 inches, and that's without counting the unit's base. The digital edition of the PS5 comes in a negligible smidge smaller. These systems can lie down, but keeping good airflow to the unit is very important. Microsoft also dropped an absolute unit this generation with the monolith-looking Series X. The Series X includes a disk drive, stands nearly 12 inches tall, and about 6 inches wide and deep. It even weighs just shy of 10 pounds. 
The Xbox Series S, the all-digital edition, is about 60% smaller, standing almost 11 inches tall, 6 inches long, and a paltry 2.5 inches wide. Meanwhile, Nintendo Switch is the most space-saving option, at 4 inches high, 9.5 inches long, and half an inch deep with the Joy-Cons attached. For playing on a TV, you'll require the dock that's approximately 4 inches high, 7 inches long, and 2 inches deep. But the most important consideration with the Switch is ensuring you've got enough overhead room to dock and undock it safely, straight up and down, as to not risk scratching the touchscreen. I ended up redoing my entire entertainment shelf setup to give the Switch enough headspace for docking, but Nintendo still wins the smallest shelf space footprint award compared to the other two consoles. Since I'm already talking about Nintendo, here's what's up with the three versions of the Nintendo Switch. A standard Nintendo Switch sells for $299.99, which comes with the Switch, 32GB of internal storage, expandable through microSD to 2TB, two detachable Joy-Cons, Joy-Con wrist straps, a dock, charging cable, HDMI cable, and a Joy-Con grip, which the Joy-Cons can clip onto to form a more standard-looking controller. The Switch Lite unit sells for $199.99 US dollars, has a slightly smaller screen at 5.5 inches, and the controllers are built into the unit, not detachable like a standard Joy-Con. And, this is the most serious major difference, the Switch Lite is only playable in handheld mode. The Lite cannot connect to any kind of dock or television, it is strictly handheld. And new this fall will be the OLED Nintendo Switch for $349.99, which comes with the same stuff as the regular Switch bundle, but features 64GB of built-in storage, and, of course, the new 7-inch OLED screen, an upgrade over the standard Switch's 6.2-inch LCD. Switches run a multi-touch-capable touchscreen at 1280x720, and supports between 3-9 to nine hours of battery life depending on the unit, game, and brightness. It will obviously die faster if you're outside playing in the sun, because you are going to have to crank that screen. The best way I can describe the Joy-Con controller is as a nice compromise between the Nintendo Wii's Waggle controller and a more conventional one. When playing any kind of fitness or dance game, you'll need to detach each Joy-Con from the console, fit them into the wrist straps for safety, then you can start swinging them around properly. Or you can choose to live dangerously by leaving the wrist straps in the box like I do and hope it all works out. I will trust each of you to run your own risk assessments here. When playing on the TV, you can use a Joy-Con in each hand, loose, or you can clip them into the included Joy-Con grip for a more regular controller feel. Though my hands are not exactly giant, I found the Joy-Con grip to put the halves too close together for me to enjoy extended gaming sessions comfortably. So I ended up buying the official Nintendo Switch Pro Controller for $69.99. There are tons of licensed and third-party controllers available for the Switch, or even adapters for controllers you already own, but the official Nintendo Switch Pro Controller felt really comfortable in my hands at about the same size as an Xbox 360 controller. I also feel the D-pad is way better than the Joy-Con ones. The Pro Controller can be used wired or wirelessly, includes motion controls, rumble, has full amiibo functionality, and most amazingly, it has an absolutely ridiculous battery life. While playing through all of Super Mario Odyssey, I charged it exactly once. I wish whole controllers had that kind of longevity, and I hope that battery will last for years to come. Now, if you've seen any negative Switch news in the past year or so, it likely involved the dreaded Joy-Con drift. All types of gamers were reporting the analog sticks on one or both Joy-Cons drifting badly not long into their lifespan. 
While possible class action suits remain ongoing, Nintendo set up a Joy-Con repair option free of charge for those based in the U.S. or Canada. If you have a Joy-Con that's drifting, you can try your own manual repair using YouTube guides or fill out Nintendo's form online and prep your Joy-Cons to be shipped back for repair. For one final thing related to Joy-Cons, I must stress that the Switch Lite controllers are not Joy-Cons and are not removable from the unit. Nintendo is careful to note that the Lite only supports games that run in handheld mode, eliminating games like the Just Dance titles, Fitness Boxing, and Ring Fit Adventure. I find even Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey are better with separate Joy-Cons, or a Pro Controller, since there are some movements made easier and faster by shaking, which is not something I enjoy doing with a whole Switch. In the interest of full disclosure, you can get some non-handheld compatible games running on the light, but, and please picture that as a giant skywriting size but, you'd also have to buy separate Joy-Cons, and a charger for them since you can't attach them to the light to charge, and you'll need some way to prop up the light, distance to swing your arms for boxing or exercises, and superhero tier eyesight to see what the heck is going on on a 5.5 inch screen from said distance. It's generally worth the extra money for the peace of mind of being able to play a Switch in any configuration and to avoid this level of jankery just to have access to more games. Nintendo was previously the last console manufacturer to not have a paid online service. And, well, that's dead. The Nintendo Switch online service is $20 a year and required if you want to face off online in Splatoon or Mario Kart or even have friends visit your island in Animal Crossing. The service also includes access to NES Online and SNES Online, each offering some classics from Nintendo and third parties available on the Switch with new titles added on occasion. I actually really enjoy these special editions of games on the service, because some of them, like Ninja Gaiden, will start you at the last boss with all of the weapons, or in Mario Kart for SNES, it'll set it to all the game modes already unlocked so you don't have to do the work to get up to 150cc. The NES and SNES Online also support save states and rewind, making poking around some of the really old school games more fun instead of just frustrating. And in that case, I am specifically looking at you, ancient floaty jump weird momentum NES Mario Brothers. Anyway, though the Nintendo Switch Online is cost effective, even offering a family plan for $34.99 a year for those with up to eight consoles in the house, there are some odd online planning decisions here. When I visit friends in Animal Crossing, there's only text chat in the game. If I wanted to actually talk to them, I have to run the Nintendo Switch online app on my phone and use that alongside the Switch for voice. If nothing else, I do appreciate how the phone app also lets me type in Animal Crossing, which is way faster than me trying to controller type when playing on the TV, since you can't use a touchscreen while docked. While tons of kids have phones these days, it's still awkward to have voice chat not be available on the console directly. In my case, I find it worth the 20 bucks a year to have the 80-something NES and 50-something SNES titles right there, but I am one of those people who Nintendo is clearly targeting for getting my money for the same games over and over. Out Sony's way, they've been bragging about how the PS5 beat all their previous records, selling 10 million units in 249 days. I'd be happier for them if I could score one myself, but whatever. Sony is also warning people that supply issues could continue possibly into 2023. Whether that's a fact or them creating a bit of FOMO around it right now remains to be seen. Sony's base unit for the PlayStation 5 goes for $499 with a 4K Blu-ray drive, 
Or there's a digital edition, which knocks the price down to $399 and has no disk drive. Both units have an 825GB SSD built in, with 667 of that usable for game storage around the OS. For reference, Destiny 2 is about 100 gigs, FIFA 21 is around 55, and Call of Duty Black Ops hogs a whole 225.3 gigabytes on the drive. The PlayStation 5 can be opened to access a PCIe 4.0 M2 expansion slot. However, if you're looking to increase the storage space, you're going to have to check Sony's list of PS5 certified SSDs to ensure compatibility. Do not risk a wild guess here. In simpler compatibility news, Sony made the PlayStation 5 backwards compatible with over 90% of PS4 games, as well as the PlayStation VR set and peripherals like controllers, wheels, and fight sticks. A quick note for PSVR users, the PlayStation camera will function on the PS5, you'll just have to contact Sony for the dongle adapter, which will then be mailed out to you for free. Though older DualShock controllers can be synced up as normal on the PS5, they will only function for non-PS5 games. The current-gen games will warn you the controller is not supported, as they require the haptic DualSense in order to play. So, predictably, let's talk about the Fancy Pants new DualSense controller. It looks like a sleeker, futurific version of the original DualShock, now with haptics. And if, like me, you've heard the word haptic tossed around and wondered what it's all about, I finally looked it up. Haptic is all about transmitting information through touch, like through rumble and how even the DualSense triggers have force feedback. Various game devs have gone on, at length, discussing how using different weapons will really feel different with the DualSense. The game Astro's Playroom, which comes with every PS5, is ostensibly a platformer, but also basically a tech demo for all the things the controller can do, including tons of different examples of letting players experience various surfaces and even weather communicated through touch. Though not every game out right now takes advantage of what the controller is capable of, I think it'll bring out some neat future features as devs experiment more with it. Sadly, my last important note about the DualSense concerns... Stick drift. Similar to Nintendo's Joy-Cons, there's many reports of drift kicking in pretty quickly, even without a lot of playtime on the controllers. So if you're picking up extras, you might want to consider a warranty just to simplify any exchange process. Though I do have a friend who got Sony to replace their drifty controllers multiple times after calling into the support line and going through their official process. Unfortunately, unlike Nintendo, This will involve literally calling them on the phone and waiting on hold for a while to go through it all. It's worth taking a sec to talk a little bit about the user interface for the PS5. I don't have any ridiculous expectations for a gaming OS other than wanting it to mostly be out of my way. I didn't talk about the Switch UI at all because it it does all of the things you want it to do. It's easy to find whatever settings you want and really simple to get into a game. Conversely, The PS5 UI feels... unfinished. On my PlayStation 4, I've got everything sorted into folders, and not being able to do that on the current gen, at least not yet, may be a frustration for you as well. Oh, and another example of a weird UI decision can be seen when looking at the trophies. On the PS3 and PS4, and even on the extra-ancient PSP, trophies are a nice vertical list. Totally clear, easy to read, a solved problem which the PlayStation 5 UI unsolved by putting each trophy in a separate small box, spread out horizontally as though it were a Switch game list, truncating almost literally every trophy name and description. Just, why? 
Why do that? It makes reading a chore. A fix for this particular issue is in the works and will hopefully be released soon, as well as other UI improvements. As for Sony's online options, if you're already familiar with how PlayStation Plus works on the PS4, it's basically that. You won't have to pay for playing free-to-play games online like Warframe or Fortnite. You will have to spend $60 a year for Plus to play with your friends online in other games like Call of Duty and such. Having a PlayStation Plus membership gives you a couple of free games every month for PS4 and 5, which you will have access to as long as your membership is active. Once you let it expire, you will no longer be able to play games you downloaded through PlayStation Plus unless you purchase them separately. Also separate is a subscription service called PlayStation Now, running 60 bucks a year, which started way back in 2014. There's a collection of PlayStation 2, 3, and 4 games, updated monthly, which can be streamed to your PS4, PS5, or even your Windows PC. Games get rotated in and out of the catalog, so be sure to check out their selection to see if there's enough there to pique your interest. Further, PlayStation Plus is not required for any of the multiplayer games on the PS Now service, as that fee includes both solo and multiplayer modes. PS5 Online Play supports voice chat, either in-game or in party mode with your friends. So, like, my friends who are playing NHL together can start a party that I can join even though I'm off running around in Final Fantasy XIV as I do. It is handy to be able to chat with all of your friends through the console without having to bring over a laptop or whatever for Discord. Alright, that's all the system basics, but no one buys a console for the basics, you buy it for the games. If what you're after is the Miles Morales Spider-Man, the extra Yuffie chapter in the Final Fantasy VII remake, Ratchet & Clank, or Gran Turismo, then you're going to need a PS5. If you're now thinking, huh, that's a pretty short list, I agree with you. Other than a horse around with Astro and the new controller, waiting for a solid list of games you want before investing in a console is always a safer and smarter call. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, 
taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. As a brief interlude before the Xbox specifics, I'm going to rant about something I've been mad about for a while now. So, Microsoft. Microsoft sat there and watched when Nintendo fumbled releasing the Wii U following the galactically successful Wii. Then, years later, after much reflection, they unleashed upon the world the Xbox One with updated units called the Xbox One S and Xbox One X. And now there's the current generation with Xbox Series S and Xbox Series X. My takeaway here is that Microsoft hates me personally and possibly you too. As you are likely the tech person for your family and friends, I wish you godspeed this holiday season as you try to explain to them what's what so they don't buy themselves or their kids the wrong thing. All of my best, truly. The only good news out of this possible pile of confusion is that like Sony, Microsoft has enabled Xbox One games and accessories to be forward compatible with this new generation. With that out of the way, there are two new Xbox units available though there are bigger differences between these than the two PlayStations. The Series S is digital only, while the Series X has all of the bells and whistles. The Series S is 60% smaller, sporting a matte white unit and controller for a far cheaper $299, versus the all-black monolith Series X for $499. The Series S has the same CPU as the Series X, but a slower GPU. It comes with 512GB SSD and runs games at 1440p at 60fps and supports 4K upscaling. The Series X has the faster GPU, one whole terabyte of storage, and supports running games up to 8K at 120 frames per second. The current gen Xbox controller hasn't changed much from the previous ones, which is good because the Elite is a great piece of hardware. The most notable difference is the concave D-pad and the addition of a share button for game recording similar to the one PlayStation controllers have had since last gen, but nice to have here too. There's no VR currently available, and don't be holding your breath for that to change anytime soon either. Thankfully, the Xbox UI isn't reinventing any wheels here. The new feature I like the most is the quick resume. You're able to suspend and resume more than one game at a time, and even after a reboot, getting you back where you left off in approximately a minute. Though I don't see myself stopping between a Forza race to jump into Destiny or Rocket League or whatever, knowing I have the option is kind of nice. Now, personally, I found Sony and Microsoft currently have less exclusives that I'm interested in compared to Nintendo, though Microsoft buying Bethesda earlier this year should lead to some more specific Xbox stuff in the future. At least they're on record about any previously planned games for PS5 continuing to launch as promised. If you're counting at home, Xbox has 23 game studios, while Sony's got their 13 for PlayStation. Quantity doesn't matter over quality, so gonna have to wait and see how this all shakes out, especially once devs get more comfortable working with the unique architecture of each. Mature games almost always look and play better than launch titles, and we're still really early in this generation, so I'm stoked to see how it's gonna keep growing. Even if you're not buying a console anytime soon, it's worth keeping an eye on game trailers to see how things are looking, and plenty of these titles are making their way to PC one way or another. When it comes to online for Microsoft, they've kind of got a lot going on. If you want to play online with your friends, you'll need Xbox Gold for $59.99 a year. 
Xbox Gold includes games with gold, offering a selection of Xbox One and even Xbox 360 titles each month. The 360 titles are free to keep, but the Xbox One titles require an active gold subscription to be used. Then there's Xbox Games Pass, a totally different thing. Subscribing to Game Pass gives you access to a library of rotating games, day one access to Xbox Game Studio titles, and random discounts and deals. There are three tiers of Game Pass, a console-only one for $9.99 a month, a PC-only version for $9.99 a month, which also gives you access to EA Play, the EA PC games library. And then there's Game Pass Ultimate for $14.99 a month, which has the ever-increasing game library, the Xbox Game Studio titles on release day, the ability to game from the cloud, access to EA Play, works on both console and PC, and includes Xbox Gold and all the perks contained wherein. It's a lot. The only real downside is the monthly fee, as they don't have a yearly subscription option like Sony or Nintendo, which is usually slightly cheaper. I hope this covers enough of the basics to help you decide if you're interested in any of the big three console options, and I really hope you've been enjoying DTNS Experiment Week. If you have any gaming questions, console or otherwise, feel free to ping me on Twitter or Instagram. Both are at Jen Cutter. That's Jen with two N's. Or you can email me over at Jen at JenCutter.com. Have fun and happy gaming. Hey folks, Tom Merritt here again. That's it for Experiment Week. Thanks to all the contributors who made these great shows. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Email us, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're back to regular shows on Monday. See you then with Rob Dudley. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.